Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher is a collection of theological musings and real experiences through the eyes of two Christian school teachers. We do not profess to be professional theologians, but we want to provide a voice and resources for those of us working in the unique context of Christian schools. We hope you join the conversation. You are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hi, this hey. is Christopher Seals, um, and across from me is the beautiful bearded man, um, Mr. Wayne David. Mr. Wayne David Randolph. Randolph. Wayne David Randolph, full name. <laughs> um, hey, Wayne. Yeah, what's up, Chris? We're doing it. Have you ever <laughs> talked on a walkie-talkie before? I Yeah, I totally. Actually, recently with my son. Um, how do you end a conversation on a walkie-talkie? I think the movies have taught me that I say 10-4, good buddy, or... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, out? No, over, out. Over and out. Over and out. That, over and out. That is, that is true. Um, have you ever been in the 60s? You're not that old, are you? Like the decade? Yeah. No, I was born in, in, in the 70s. Okay, well, about, a, about 10 years before you existed here on Earth, um, there was a, a peace movement um, in which people wore tie-dyed shirts yes. and experimented with lots of drugs. Yes. I, I've heard I missed it by a decade. Yes. Um, well, supposedly, um, when... Uh, our rapping friends say peace out when they say goodbye to one another. Allegedly, it is a combination of that walkie-talkie out um, oh. and, and the peace from the 60s generation. Um, hmm. Allegedly, that those two things got merged. Where, where did you come about this alleged information? Um, nefarious, not true internet sources told awesome. me this. Um, but the World Wide Web. Um, I'm pretty sure. Peace out. That that is our first contrived introduction to a podcast. Excellent. So today, um, tell me, when you hear the word peace, you have lots of baggage with the word peace. Um, yeah. Good baggage. Yeah, but, yeah, But yeah. what is it that comes to your mind when you think about peace? Man, um, my, my current, like where I go just now um, at, at 42 years of, of age, um, I, th- I think it's hard for me to even say peace without almost like this sigh, like, oh. And so I, I have this longing uh, for peace. Um, I have this adoration and love, um, I think it's the same word, um, for, for all things peace. Um, I think of existing um, and thriving uh, within that existence. Um, it's hard for me to think of it, I mean, you know I me. Mean? It's hard for me to think of it with outside of the context of shalom or, or the relationships uh, that exist within shalom. And so, um, I, I think, man, I'm kind of just rambling. But I think even like when I when I say peace around people, more often than not, peace is used within the context of like not not war. Like, like we don't have war, so we have peace. Um, and I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I, I think that peace is so much deeper than just the absence of like conflict, um, but that it, it implies uh, thriving. I think that's probably the word I'll, I'll hold on to, thriving and flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that <clears throat> since both of us as, as high school teachers, when teenagers come into our classrooms, um, when they yeah. hear peace, um, it probably is more of that, that other definition, right? That, right? that they and their friends aren't fighting, that their mom and dad aren't 
um, doing whatever it is that they do at right. home that makes it not feel like things peace. are peaceful right now. Exactly. It's usually like for a, a small, limited amount of time. Right. And so um, kind of what you were already alluding to is probably something that a lot of our students are tired of hearing um, is this word <laughs> shalom, shalom. This, this idea of, of this wholeness of being complete. Um, so what we translate into the English language comes from a lot of Hebrew words have the the S or have a three consonant root. And so Shalom is the Shin, Lamed, Mem. Um, and there are a number of different words that come from this root, including mm. Shalom. Um, but one of the p- potential inflections of this is uh, Shalem, which mm. means uh, payback or recompense, that, mm. that things have been restored and, and mm. set set even again. Or one of the sacrifices laid out in the book of Leviticus is the, the Shalumim, the, sure. the peace offerings um, that we bring before God to experience shalom in the presence of God when we, well, not we, because I've never killed an animal in the temple. Um, Dude, but, you're totally, totally missing out. I know, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but this idea that we get to um, partake um, in, in God's presence, yeah. experiencing that wholeness. Yeah. Um, so, but even if we get etymology and if we get Hebrew consonantal roots, what, what is this idea of shalom? I feel like you are the one of the biggest advocates for this idea of shalom. And so why don't you like pretend, uh, pretend I'm a ninth grader and I say, Mr. Randolph. Yeah. Why do you always say shalom in your home when I leave? Oh, cause there was this really good program, I believe on the A and E network. I'm just kidding. Um, actually I'm not kidding. It was a show. So I just stole it. Um, so why like explaining it, man, Chris, that's a, that's a big, well, let me, let me start with maybe what it's not. Um, and so, um, I have a lot of church baggage and, um, yeah. So whoever's listening, you can just let your mind to, you know, kind of run with that. Um, and I, I think that the way Christianity has been taught to me, whether that was, um, uh, intended or unintended, uh, was that we screwed everything up, um, and, um, we need to do everything we can to keep kind of God happy, and we have to we have to do everything just right so that we can be in His um, um, vicinity someday. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, um, as as kind of cynical as that sounds, I think that even a lot of Christians today still kind of walk around with that kind of working understanding of of God. And um, when the idea of shalom was introduced to me, it was it was a radical shift. I mean, this was this was you know just any of the hyperbolic words you know we we might use like. Um, paradigm shift or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever you want to call it. But um, to know that when God in the beginning made something, that that it really was good. Um, and, and and to know that he, it wasn't just the cute animals and, you know, the plants, and, but like, I mean, these are systems. These are, these are entire like intricate systems uh, that, mm-hmm. that work correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, to think that he offered that to us and that we, that, that is God's intention for all of us, mm. that things would work correctly. Uh, um, it didn't take long. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but it didn't take long to figure out uh, as I was on this earth that things aren't working correctly, mm-hmm. that things are jacked up. Um, and so this idea that, that this is not a part of God's intention, like he, it, he doesn't want things to be jacked up. That's kind of a weird thing that we, we put onto him. But that no, he made things and it was good, and then kind of allowed us and asked us like, "Do you 
are you guys in with this or, or uh, are you going to peace out, if you will? Are you guys going to leave? Right. He had to borrow the, the phrase of, of a Rob Bell. Um, he, he contrasted the idea that um, some of us see the goal of life and existence is to, is to peace out of this messed up, dark, right. broken, decrepit world with, with corrupt politicians and murderers and thieves um, and, mm. and to peace out from here to go to a place where we can be away from that, but yeah. but rather um, it should be more peace in that that we get to usher in the peace yeah. that God originally intended yeah. for us. That's and good, yeah. Because because the other the other thing is just escapism. The other thing is, and we've heard so. There's a reason we've heard so many pastors and, and, and other authors like use that kind of idea. Like the other idea is this like like insurance policy. Like I pray a prayer and I get to get the, get the hell out of here, literally, right. right? Because this place this place sucks. Um, as opposed to maybe he wants to put things back together because he has investment from the very beginning, right? Um, and that it has it has value in and of itself, right? It has intrinsic value, um, and so he is about putting this thing back together. It just seems weird, like that kind of that Christian narrative that, like, mm. okay, so God makes something, we screw it up, right? We get one chance, we we eat the freaking fruit, and then he's like, all right, deuces, like let's everybody, we're all going to split out of here thousands of years later. <laughs> we're going to go somewhere else. It just for being the creator and the greatest storyteller ever, that just seems like a really stupid way to tell a story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, <laughs> and a lot of what, what you, uh, everything that you're saying is smacking with uh, Genesis one and two. Mm. And so uh, I think a lot of what kids will ask is, well, then what did it actually look like? If, mm. if Genesis one and two is this Shalom, it's the, these systems, mm. it's not just the cute plants, but then beyond the cute plants, what does what does shalom actually look like? What is what does yeah, that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good. And, and I, I realize that as you're asking questions, too, I'm over here like moaning. It sounds like I'm eating like really good chicken or something. Mm, mm, the fried chicken. Well, delicious. I see it on your beard. You're um, so gross, I don't know dude. If you're still eating it. Um, <laughs> but one of the one of the uh, things that I actually learned from you is, um, and you probably stole it from someone else. Um, but anything the, good that comes out of my mouth, I have stolen. Okay, good. Yeah. So I think the the idea that. Um, Shalom has these four essential relationships mm. and it's, it's humanity. And of course it's going to be anthropocentric because we're telling the story of ourselves. Um, that was above your pay grade, dude. That was like a college professor well, word. That was good. Can one you, can aspire. For, for us dummies in the room, what does that even mean? Um, so it's human centric. Um, so we are, um, but it's about us having proper relationship between mm. ourselves and God yeah. um, and us having proper relationship with ourselves and other people having proper relationship with ourselves and, and the rest of creation, the resources, the things that God has given to us. And then finally, that the one that oftentimes we ignore the most is us in having that peace or shalom or wholeness yeah. relationship with ourselves. Kind of peace of mind. Yeah, yeah. That, that we view ourselves rightly, that we treat ourselves rightly. And so um, if all of those things are occurring in the garden, um, it's, it's hard not to think utopian society, but even what, what does utopian society look like? What does, Mm. um, pre Genesis three, the fall of man society Mm. look like? What, um, when, when you dream about what the garden looks like, what, what kind of comes to your mind when you think about that? Wow. There's so much to talk on there. Um, I think, I think even before I I answer some of the specific questions there, I I think um, for us to get into our mind that shalom is a flourishing and abundant life, not lacking anything. I I think, I think those, just even just letting that definition kind of just sit with us for a moment, like a flourishing, abundant life, not lacking anything. Um, 
And I think that's a really good place to start um, because I can tell you where I don't have shalom. Uh, and, and the reason I even bring that up, and I, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but there seems to be this old model, um, and, and I don't think it's incorrect. So I'm, I'm not here to you know change our orthodoxy, um, mm-hmm. but there seems to be this old model of like convincing people that they are a sinner in need of salvation. Mm-hmm. And for pieces of crap like me, that that works. Like I, I would be a fool to argue with you that I, I'm not a piece of crap. But um, we have some really good students who we might even say are like kind of little little angels, mm-hmm. um, and so. To present to them the God's intention in the garden in the in the beginning that that His intention was this idea of shalom and to explain it to them, um, it becomes really easy, even an evangelistic tool, in discussing with people like so. If this is the case, if this is what God intended, this idea of shalom, like um, you know, it's not hard for us to realize where we are lacking shalom, especially mm-hmm. in those four relationships. So even even just kind of bigger picture, why those things are important. Right. Um, and and I think one of the things that you sort of point out by doing that though is. Um, drawing attention to the fact that a lot of modern Christian evangelism is, is the same as marketing, um, <laughs> that that we, yeah. instead of being people who get to share the good news about what God originally created us to be like and how he created us a, for us a way to participate in that, um, we instead become the person on the commercial saying, like, you don't have everything you want. If you just get so this good. product, right. then... My mind maybe... just totally went to, like, a, the, like, like infomercials, like, long... And so they, like, go really out of their way in the beginning to show you why life is so hard without the product, right? Exactly. Like, do you ever find yourself trying to do good? Like, you guys imagine, like, all those things, right? And you're just, ah, who's going to save me? You know, thank God for the evangelist or apologist yeah, or whoever or, it is going to be. Or the snuggie. Yeah. Um, like because, <laughs> we, because we didn't know how to wear blankets before yeah, they had holes yeah. in them. Um, but yeah, if if we don't start with shalom and we start with why everything is messed up and why you need to be fixed, then um, we're just we're just selling a product that yeah, you can, an perfect. ointment that you can put on perfect. your rash. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, because I mean, that even gets us into kind of the other idea that we have as teachers, I think, is why we start all of our conversations here, because this, this does become the framing story. So if, if we collectively kind of know what was good, um, what happened as a result of losing that good, then it seems to figure, I mean, I don't know, it seems logical that we can all kind of agree then how to put it back together. Right. Um, uh, as opposed to, yeah, if we're all kind of running around with these different definitions of what uh, caused evil and where it came from. And, um, yeah, it seems like we're chickens running around with our heads cut off. Yeah. So I think that's commentary on the church. I don't know. So back mm. to your question. <laughs> so, <laughs> Give me so, a specific. Give me like one specific there. All right. So, so what, what does it look like? Yeah. What, uh, what does human interaction look like in a, in a shalom filled or not, like not even a shalom filled world? Just go because, to the garden. Yeah. In the garden. What yeah. is, what does shalom so look I, like? So I think, I think the insight that we get, uh, in the garden is, um, the fact that they're naked. Hmm. Um, and you know, again, this conversation can go any number of places. People can have all kinds of ideas and what they'd want to say or what they'd want us to say. But, um, there are, there are some ideas there when I'm talking with my students, um, one of the things that we'll talk about, and, and because it's usually ninth graders, um, we'll get some, uh, some, some giggles as soon as we say naked, um, but we talk about like what does that mean Be- beyond just being physically naked? Um, there there is some stuff going on, and um, you know, naked Im- implies nothing to hide mm. um, or nowhere to hide, right. and we we will see that later in the story, right? Um, in the garden story, right? And it's not just nothing to hide, but there's a lack of shame yeah. about what what would be. Under yeah, the why clothes. would you hide if if unless you have shame, 
Right, exactly. It's it's that junior hire that gets pantsed and doesn't like immediately like try to cover up his yeah, junk. I, I got pants by my brother in law recently. It's freaking, it's the worst. <laughs> and man. You, there's that that reflex. It's yeah, like, I got to cover up my no, stuff because no, no, people no. can't see you this. You can't yeah. know about that. Yeah, and I one of the things I use. And I don't know if if this is one of those instances where maybe it's too much for ninth graders to handle, but. Um, I assume most of them want to be married. Um, you know, at least, at least our girls, our boys don't know yet. Um, but one of the things I tell them that, you know, you really want your future spouse to say this, maybe not in like Randolph's words or whatever it may be, but someone else, but this idea of like, my soul is naked before you. Hmm. Um, like I, I want to be fully known by you and I want to know you fully. Um, I mean, that's for better or for worse, hmm. especially after the fall, you know, especially post fall. Right. But, but in the garden, before I have anything to be afraid of, before I have anything to be shameful of, because I'm still under the authority of God's definition of good and evil, um, this idea of being naked before each other, like, well, of course. Mm. Yeah, I'm just, I'm fully known by you. But what, what blows my mind, Chris, where, where I go, um, when I think about shalom, when this new age comes, this, this when heaven and earth will meet again, um, to, to think that we will know each other fully like that... Um, I mean, that's amazing, hmm. you know, and, and I, I mean, there, there's so much material there, I think, for any of us in Christian education or youth pastors or pastors or, or just, you know, leaders talking to, to, to younger Christians. There's, there's so much material there to think about, like, how much of our current situation, like, how much time and energy and effort are we spending trying to be known hmm. um, in terms of identity? And, and I mean, just all these, I mean, we work in a high school, right? I mean, how many problems mm-hmm. when kids sit down and knock on our door and they have a problem, how much of it really at the core is, is them longing to be known by mm-hmm. another person or, or to know another person? And, and so in the beginning, I, I just, I see that beauty, like, I, and, then, and then my mind races all over that. Like, so there's no need for this idea, this concept of enemy. If, mm-hmm. if we know each other, and we are aligned by definition by by God defining good and evil. Mm-hmm. Well, then there's no really space for this human kind of created idea of enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a loaded or you know kind right. of some baggage in that term, but I just think of all the implications. Um, I, I mean, even just looking back over my life, um, strife and tension I've caused other human beings and, and other people, and how much of it was because we didn't know each other. Here's what students have to say about peace. Peace is the absence of chaos. I can't answer an interview when I'm eating. What's peace? <laughs> Can I think about it? <laughs> uh, peace is an absence of um, absence of trouble. It's a sense of calm. Not necessarily nothing's going on, but that you are tranquil in your state. Um, Peace is when there is perfect harmony and um, nothing is lacking. That um, that like brings harmony, and there's no I don't know. (laughs) Sure, let's go with that. And it's a state of having shalom, not lacking anything. If, if we move over to one of the other shalom relationships, um, oftentimes it seems like 
that is how we define having shalom with God is is simply a lack of enemyship mm. with God. That that what Christ did on the cross when He restored us to being friends with God or able to have fellowship with God, that it was simply a removal of all the negative. But if, if shalom is this idea that it is this flourishing, whole, yeah. complete, um, then, then there's probably got to be a bigger definition than just um, the sin got taken care of, right? right? Like what, what did relationship with God look like prior to Genesis 3? If there, if there was no sin, um, then we probably didn't spend our time talking to God about taking care of our sin. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's so deep. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden I'm thinking like, how much of my time in my Christian walk has been spent <laughs> mulling over the sins I've committed mm. and longing for the days when those things won't be held accountable? Yeah. Yeah. So what? Like, when I'm stripped of that, I mean, that's what you're asking me is what yeah. is what? What's left? Yeah. What What happens wow. when we get to just just be, be in the presence of God and commune with Him um, and and experience Him in the way that we were intended to experience him. I think when you say just be with God, I think that um, you should edit this and like have some like really beautiful sounds and just this like pause for like five minutes. So what we just, what would that look like? Harps um, and, and distant bird chirps. Totally. Yeah. Little harps too. Like little, little harps. <laughs> um, it's, it's cool that you asked that. Cause that's one of the things I, I, I asked my students. Cause I, I believe so much of scripture, especially Torah, is is meant to be, um, as we study it, so I don't mm. mean at the expense of study, but it's also, I think it's supposed to be dreamed. Mm. Um, and so I think one of the things that we see in the garden is, um, well, you know, right? Like like they got to walk with God. Mm. Um, and how many of us in our Christian faith, in our walk with God, uh, it's interesting that we use that term. Um, how many of us have like asked God to like make a light blink or do something mm. so that we could just know He exists? Mm-hmm. And do you think how absurd that would be in the garden if, um, you know, the humans are like, "Okay, dude, this is really good. The things are cool, but like, can you just do a trick really quick so I can make <laughs> sure?" Like, and like God's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "I'm like right here." Um, I imagine them holding hands. Mm. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe I, I'm taking too Hold, much liberty. Metaphysical hands. Metaphysical hands, yes, with a with a, a glowing blob. Yeah, I don't yes. know. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, but I think that there's this person. I, I had a mentor who who told me in the garden, Proverbs 22.6 was happening, um, which is train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't stray. Mm. And so I picture this really amazing teacher and father I mean, I mean, he's he's the author of all. So I mean, like you're walking around with you know with the manual, mm-hmm. with the instruction, and I can just imagine him like because they aren't talking about sin and what to do with sin. I can just imagine him literally like, hey, I made this, like just pointing, like I made this for you, I made this for you, and here's all the uses. And I usually throw in a joke with my students, like, can you imagine God like pointing out all the fruits and like giving you a recipe for a fruit salad? Like that'd be amazing, like mm-hmm. of all people to give us a recipe for a fruit salad. And so as they're walking around. I think he's teaching them because I, mm-hmm. I, I know this is what I do with my children. I know it's what you do with your daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and so I, I think I think we we got to walk with him and and learn from like from the source. Yeah. Um, and so what, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, my it's, mind goes nuts thinking about that. Like, what what do you what do they talk about? Yeah. Can I just ask you that before you ask me another question? Mm-hmm. So if you could imagine walking with God, like what like but in in that pure state, like right. so before sin, like what. What kind of conversations? What kind of 
What makes you laugh and giggle as you're talking to him? Man, one, one of the things that <laughs> consistently comes to my mind, um, whenever I think about not only the, the shalom in the garden, but the shalom in the restored new heaven mm-hmm. and new earth, where, where this whole story is moving, um, is the word exploration. Mm. Um, I've always, <laughs> I am, I'm a information um, nut. I love learning anything new about anything. And so I can imagine like walking with God and him, and like, there's a part of me that says him explaining things, but almost like him just like watching me discover, um, mm. him enjoying, I think of my two-year-old daughter and think about like when, when we watch a movie that I've seen 15 times, but she's never seen because she's yeah. only two. Um, and, and the wonder that occurs in her eyes or every once in a while, when we go to Disneyland, the wonder that occurs in her eyes when yeah. she sees a human dressed up like a dog. Right. Um, <laughs> And it's not like I, I need to explain to her what's going on there, but watching her explore and mm. wonder and and really see what there is to experience and, yeah. and exist in. I don't know. I, I imagine. I love that you brought that, that up too. Yeah. As little kids, I mean, there's nothing, nothing is off limits when it comes to like holding some sense of wonder, right? Like mm. a pencil, a pen, the mm-hmm. things that are the mundane to us. Mm-hmm. Can, can you imagine even like the excitement that you would have with your daughter? Like if it like she just has wonder over things that you've created. Right. Like I just I think about the joy that it brings God and yeah. I think man that what a cool thought that you just had there like God's just stoked like he's he's geeking out over you geeking out over him. Right. Like yeah. that's rad. Sounds yeah, like I want I want to hang out with him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to hang out with that guy. I want to hear him laugh personally. Right. So I I'm, I'm hoping to either I, I, mean, I don't know if I could tell him a joke that would make him laugh cuz he's probably already heard it. Mm. That's weird. Yeah, that's, we have to have that conversation <laughs> that's later. God's foreknowledge like, what, later. What is, yeah, what is what is humor without the the violation of yeah. the um, the taboo or of whatever? Hurting someone else. Yeah, but yeah, like the the talking and this the 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 conversations, the the learning. Um, another idea, and you know, this, this might be pushing the boundary a little bit, but um, he told us that we weren't allowed to have access to this this knowledge of, of good and evil, kind of everything mm-hmm. in between, and. Um, you know, sometimes I think about that, like with my kid, like like my son Noah, he's eight. There are things three years ago that I didn't teach him, but there are things now. Hmm. Uh, and I, so I just wonder, like, if 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 God is maintaining control or authority over the the defining of good and evil, which, which seems, you know, if he is who he says he is, it seems like he's a pretty good person to hold that authority. Right. It, it, my logic tells me, and I recognize my logic is flawed, but my logic tells me if we're in that state with him longer, that we are eventually learning some of those things, mm-hmm. um, but but that he still, it's still within the parameters of, of, of his de- definition, if that makes sense. Right. It's, it's sort of like a... Uh, That's why Proverbs 22, 6, basically, right. the learning. It, it's like a kindergartner being shown pornography. Um, yeah, he doesn't need that. The, yeah, they're, they're not ready to process what sexuality right. even is, and, right. and you discover that when you are exposed to things that you're not ready to process, then you end up having long-term psychological harm. Um, and Get out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you become things that we were never intended to be. Mm, um, that's and deep, so, dude. So Adam, deep. Adam, do, Adam and Eve do that in the garden, and they, yeah. they expose themselves. And, and I think just with this idea of shalom, it also really sheds light on who, what Christ came to do. Mm. You know, It's not mm. that he was coming to... Uh, like tell everybody how messed up they were. He came to show us what it looks like to be human. Right. And and when you live in shalom, when you live fully human, you necessarily confront the powers mm. of darkness that disrupt, that break shalom. And so 
where there are people abusing their power, of course Jesus is going to yell at the Pharisees and say, woe to you, you hypocrites. Mm. You put these huge burdens. You're like whitewashed tombs. Yeah. Um, because if, if he's trying to teach and embody shalom, then where these people are breaking it in half, there's going to yeah. be confrontation. Yeah, like um, where, they, where they've decided to define for themselves. Yeah. I love that too, even like with the Pharisees. Like, so God gives them this law and they turn it in, they use it for something different. Mm. They turn it into a, you know, hierarchical like social system, like, um, like who's better than the other, right? And, and all the while the law was intended, um, partially, right, is, is to get us in right relationship with God. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I love that idea. And, um, you mentioned Bell earlier that there's one of Bell's things he talks about, like Jesus didn't come necessarily to start some new religious movement. He came to show us what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that because, um, that's not something controversial. That's not, you know, some like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, we have to discredit who, you know, who said it or, or what he's saying because the, the apostle Paul refers to Jesus often as the new Adam or, yeah. or even the faithful Israelite. And so like in Jesus, we have God's intention for humanity. Like, so even though Adam is the first mm-hmm. kind of idea, um, this isn't like his name means life, or is his name mean uh, humanity? Human, humanity and, and Eve, Eve means life. life and Hebrew. And so, so in the first humanity, like there's kind of this this choice, hmm. uh, and then and, but then Jesus, like uh, this kind of idea of like you know put me in coach, like let me go show them right, let me go show them what it means to be human. Hmm. Um, and I love that you said that too. Like let me show them like what shalom looks like, and shalom is going to address things. It's just not going to address the evils of our day, maybe the way we want it to. Right. Which is probably why so many people missed him, right? Because yeah. we want we want there to be confrontation and, and, and with bloodshed and war and. We're getting off on some tangents here, but... Um. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I think one of the things that um, both of us, it, it's important, I think I know it's important for both of us is, okay, we can talk theology, we can we can talk um, shalom in Hebrew words and, and these idealized visions, but um, what does it look like for a teenager in 2017 um, to experience shalom in their life? And, like, and I think wow, some yeah. of this... Some of this is like the real and the psychologically deep and where they are, they're emotionally available and their mm-hmm. relationship with their parents. But I think like some of it also is silly, right? Like when, when we talk about, whenever I bring up the idea of being like vulnerable in the Garden of Eden and being naked, there's always that one kid that's like, well, right. should we be nudists then? Right. Like since we now have accepted Christ and we have shalom with God, let's just take our clothes off and let it right. hang out, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so... What what are some of those questions? I don't know when you yeah. when you talk about shalom. What are some of those questions that arise for you from from the the teenage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Well, I, I mean, man, yeah. Like you said, we you open up so much developmentally. Like, what are they? What stage of life are they in? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we often make jokes about you know not fully formed uh, <laughs> frontal lobes yes. and decision making, and um, I think uh, I, I kind of talk a little bit again, like why I think shalom is so in the beginning is there's another mes- message in Christianity that is, um, and I, we've heard it. I mean, we, we've worked together for a long time now. We've heard it from people we've worked for. Like, it's all about a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and as beautiful as that is and, and making, you know, Christ your, your personal Savior, and, and yeah, I, I don't want to discount any of that. Um, one of the byproducts is then we make it all about just me and Jesus. And so even this, even the concept of shalom, that it is between other human beings, I think for some mm-hmm. is really radical. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe not our youth as much as maybe their parents. Yeah. Um, Cause it's kind of that older Christianity. Um, and, and yeah, anyways. Um, yeah. That when I, does that make I, sense? Yeah. yeah. And I'm even thinking about my own upbringing with um, there. 
the idea that there is a social element of the gospel um, is sort of flies in the face of the version of the gospel that I was right, taught growing right. up. That no, the gospel is just that Jesus's blood covers my sin bills. Um, and if you try to bring taking care of the poor into any of this, no, no, no. Jesus said you'll always have the poor, Chris. Come on. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so we don't need him. to do that, right? Yeah. Forget Matthew twenty-five. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I, I think that, but yeah, that that is that is big. Well, if you can remember. Um, when we worked at Azusa together, um, we would hear sometimes the tension between evangelism and social justice, right. and as if as if somehow it is a zero sum mm-hmm. game. It makes me think of like a lot of the New Testament authors when they're talking about like works, works and faith. Like mm-hmm. as again, as if it's a zero sum game, and and we know that it's not right. And when Jesus um, sort of validates his ministry, he says the good news is preached to the poor, the yeah. the, the blind receive sight, the the lame can walk, the the deaf can hear. Right, that it's it's all of these things. Remember when integrated. when when John the Baptist's disciples come to him like all panicky, like "Are you sure you're the one?" Yeah. He's like, "Dude, just go back and tell them these things are happening." Right. Here is the fruit. Right. Yeah. Here are the actions that are aligning with with this kind of you know prophecy that you, that you guys have been waiting for. Yeah. You know, it's happening. Um, yeah, it's huge. Right. I, like of all the rebuttals that Jesus could have given. I mean, even lovingly, like John's in prison, right? And right. It's, still, it's still like kind of a, a, almost a teaching rebuke moment again for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, do you believe these things or not? Yeah. Um, so, and I think even just one more thing to add, like there's something really beautiful about this generation. And, and I know the millennials get a lot of like flack for being millennials as if they have a choice. Um, but one of the things that they seem to do well is is kind of care about things bigger than themselves hmm. um, at times. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they could be selfish human right. beings like like me. Um, and so the idea of living, like, what does that look like? Back to that question of shalom. Um, I think that they're already they already kind of get it collectively as, as a cohort. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think practically, I think one of the things is is, is you you. Well, we, in, in a classroom, we, we give a lot of definitions of what shalom is, and I think what's beautiful is to ask a kid. So when a kid asks me, like, oh, Mr. Renov, I'm having a problem at home. And so I think one of these beautiful questions is, is say, hey, you, you remember what shalom is? Yeah, I do, Mr. Renov. Okay, cool. So let's not just have it be something that we talk about on a whiteboard or that you can you can regurgitate for a test and get an A. You tell me, what does shalom look like when, when if it invades that situation at home? All right. And what's so beautiful, um, and, and you know, we've, we've both heard this from some authors that we really like. Um, I think what ends up happening there is that they realize that they are the solution. They are mm-hmm. the answer maybe to even the prayer um, that they're praying, like, God, you know, help my family. And God's like, well, cool. Are you willing to let me work through you? Right. Because we, we can do that. And so then to – and it's really empowering. Um, yeah. It's really empowering to, to the student to be like, so what does shalom look like? Um, so without giving you a definitive answer, um, <laughs> I, I think that it is so situational. But mm. if we know what shalom is and that God mm-hmm. is about that, then we can invite that. Um, I mean, one of the things I know that I pray often, I, I hear you pray it as well, and I, I think we're starting to hear our kids kind of pray mm-hmm. it as well, is like to, to pray for the creative um, power of shalom to right. invade situations, right? Like, man, I'm, I'm beefing with with my mom at home. Like, God, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm just praying that your shalom would invade, and, and I'm willing to be a participant in it. Um, and we, we we hear some cool things come back, you know? And usually it starts with humbling yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And, and listening to the other person. I mean, they kind of like simple... Um, restorative tactic, I guess you'd say. Um, mm-hmm. But when the kid finds that the answer is within themselves, yeah, and, and, and I don't mean that in a in a new agey, right? You know, you are God inside of you, but yeah, yeah they've been and, equipped. And I and I think one of the beauties of just this concept of shalom and knowing that we have a God that originally um, planned for it um, 
which that raises all sorts of questions about planning and the future and knowledge, but we'll talk about that later, um, is the idea that when students ask questions, a lot of times they are not really questions. Yeah. They are, um, they, they say a sentence that has a question mark at the end, but really what they're asking is, can you please validate my experience yeah. and tell me that I'm okay or tell me that I'm doing what's right? And a lot of times, um, when, a lot of times they are just being dumb and right. it's not necessarily um, helpful when we say you're being dumb. But when you say um, what would create shalom in that situation, yeah. it's almost like oftentimes a light bulb goes off um, because they can no longer say it's all the other person's yeah. fault. They, I love they, that you use that an analogy too because it's like I, I can't remain in the dark anymore. I right. can't play ignorant anymore. Right, exactly. And so shalom sort of disarms their their desire to... Um, to validate themselves when they're yeah. in the wrong. And also it helps to um, empower them when the other person is in the wrong to say, okay, I can be the mm. restorative force in this situation yeah. because the Christ who restored all of us back to himself um, lives in me, right? Yeah, dude, that's huge. That's yeah. huge. Um, it's interesting. Um, in, in our classroom when we do, it's, it's about a week, two week kind of unit conversation on Shalom and, and Garden and, we field a whole lot of creation stories uh, or questions. I mean, um, one of the things that I do is I have them do a reflection kind of journal um, where they look at all four aspects of Shalom and they, they, they journal uh, about each of those areas and where they're lacking Shalom. And then I ask them to be creative. Like, so what would it look like? Basically what I said earlier, but mm-hmm. I, I have them write that out. And I mean, you think about what is that doing when I just realize I'm writing out this paper in front of me, I'm, I'm talking about God and Shalom and, and what, what is good. So they're already getting a good understanding of who God is, right? At, at his core, like what, what his heart is about. And then when they're writing those things out where they're lacking Shalom and then what Shalom would look like, man, what I kind of challenge them with at the mm-hmm. end and, you know, call it manipulation. I'm, I'm cool if it's something good. Mm-hmm. I just tell them like, man, you kind of have your prayer life like mapped out in front of you right now. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you just kind of wrote out these areas where you're lacking Shalom and to know that God is about it. And all you have to do is, is pray and ask him to invade those areas. And now mm-hmm. when I say all you have to do, uh, I don't right. mean like instant gratification, <laughs> like you order a double double and then you get yeah. it in five minutes. But, but to see that in front of them, that they, that, you know, they, that gets them in touch with them themselves, yeah. uh, if that makes sense. And, and even their relationship with God, it shows them where they are lacking in relationship mm. with God and, and where they're actually thriving. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love, I love those ideas. Yeah, and I think I think that is a is a good place to. Write. I had a couple of other things that I wanted to explore, but I think that this, this I, has to continue. Yeah, and I was thinking about exploring the idea of of death mm. um, in the garden, yeah. and if if all of biological life um, is a result of something else dying, um, what does that look like in a world without death? Um, and how do we interpret scripture? But that probably will fit into an evolution conversation at some point. I, yeah, I would imagine we have to explore the garden and, and this this idea for a while. I mean, again, there's a reason this is the kind of, we, we talk about it being a framing story. Like if all of the Christian narrative, whether that's, you know, the history of the church and history of of humans interacting with God. And just if, if all of it hinges on the the beginning, like there are many different areas we got to look at, but to know God's heart, I think, I think that's the goal. Um, sorry, I interrupted you by the way. Um, but if we know God's heart, then a lot of those questions that we get from our students, mm-hmm. and I know you do the same, you're really good at this as well, is like when a kid asks, is it a sin to do this? It, like all these weird questions they ask. It's like, well, wait, you know God's heart. Mm. He revealed his heart in the garden. You, you tell me. Um, 
if we're not, if we don't have our framing story, then we are lost later mm-hmm. on in the story. We're, we're lost in 2017. And so uh, this is a topic we should be s- sitting in for a while. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, you had more to say. I totally cut you off. I'm sorry. Well, uh, one final really important question. Should um, those of us who are Christians, those of us who have been redeemed, those who, of us who have been restored into the presence of God, mm. should we be naked? Oh, dude, I hope not. All right, yeah. I'll put my pants back. Yeah, I, I think this. Is, I think that would just scare. Yeah, and you know, we have laws, and it's just weird. Hmm. Maybe okay. someday. Okay, that's a weird question, actually. Like, will we be naked, and when those two things like overlap again, like heaven and earth? Depends if there's a polar ice cap or not, and if we live there. I would not be naked in an igloo. That's awesome. I like that. That's I like true. that. I like that's, that we're finishing that's a strong. Good, let's 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 end there. Okay. Good. Well. Nudity and igloos. May you have shalom in your home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.